0: Welcome everybody to the 21st episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science-adjacent and perhaps even hobbyist. My name is Zanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jérôme. Hi. Today we have a very special guest, Alex Coherty who won the International FameLab competition, which is a competition uh, for science communication, and we're going to talk about her experiences in this. So, uh, let's start. Alex it's so very nice to have you on our podcast welcome thank you so much for having me here yes so you were the winner of uh, the FameLab international well first the national and then the international competition of course Um, but let's start with a bit more general introduction Um, what would you like people to know about you? Yeah, so my name is
1: Alex, and as well as being a PhD candidate at the Amsterdam UMC, I'm also an award-winning science commuter, like you said. I'm really into cycling, especially long-distance cycling, and I also am certified to teach vinyasa yoga, although I'm not teaching right now. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of different interests, and I used to kind of struggle with being such a generalist because I think, um, yeah, people want you to be a specialist in science, but I've kind of grown to accept it and I really like doing a lot of
2: different things. Mm.
0: Kind of keeps me motivated through the PhD. Yeah, it sounds like a really original combination, also. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks.
2: So, of course, like us, you're also a scientist at the Amsterdam UMC. So, how are you enjoying the PhD so far? Any struggles? Hint, hint?
1: <laughs> yeah, loaded question. <laughs> um Yeah, so like all scientists, I've had many ups and downs for sure. Um like one down I can think of from last year was I spilled almost a liter of agar on the floor of one of our labs and then had oh. to clean all of it up at 9 p.m. at night. It was definitely a down, but I mean, at least you can laugh about it a year <laughs> later. Um, and I think the biggest challenges have been the interpersonal ones, but it also taught me a lot. I used to be pretty bad at standing up for myself or saying no, and I've definitely learned how to do those things much better as a Canadian saying no doesn't come as, uh, yeah, as naturally as saying sorry or yes. So mm-hmm. it's been a good training. And yeah, I have a really great group. So that's definitely helped get through all of the struggles as well.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I can really uh, agree with it. The interpersonal things are often quite difficult. And also, of course, all the different cultures that you intermingle in a group that can be really a struggle sometimes. <laughs> um, now, I hope you also have a very nice group what it's like yeah definitely yeah
1: so I'm part of the autophagy directed immunity group and they're all great and I was actually the first person in the group so at the very beginning of my PhD for the first six months it was just my supervisor Carla and I in the group so I also got to help choose the name which was pretty cool and yeah I've really been able to see how the group has grown which is quite a unique experience as a PhD I think to see how a new group is is built up and Carla has been awesome and also let me have some say in who joins the group at every stage. So there's six of us now and they're all really awesome people. So it's oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely really cool. a good environment.
0: It's also a really fast growing group then in just four years. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I don't think I've asked you yet, but what is your research actually about
1: yeah, so being part of the autophagy directed immunity group, my research does focus on autophagy. So that's basically the decluttering system of the cell. So autophagy um is a system that can basically grab onto any debris in a cell, so misfolded proteins or even viruses, things that the cell doesn't want, um enclose them in a vesicle and then degrade everything inside um with acid. So autophagosomes, these uh membrane-bound organelles fuse with lysosomes and then everything can be degraded into its component parts and sometimes also actually ejected from cells under certain conditions. Um, So my research focuses on how autophagy can be protective against certain viruses or can also be hijacked by other viruses. and of course, it's harder for me to explain, but it also has some more uh, mechanistic components to it as well, my project, like piecing together how different uh, subsets of autophagy pathways work together and how that's involved in infection and immunity with in the context
0: of these viruses. But yeah, autophagy and viruses, <laughs> to put it simply. It sounds very really cool. And it's also really nice. It sounds like very uh, fundamental science, like... We are also in but then uh, still being so interested in science communication i think uh, fundamental science especially really needs that so that's really really cool
1: yeah it's definitely harder to communicate fundamental science to a broad uh, yeah to a broad audience i think but it's definitely important because yeah that's how we how we build up the textbooks for the future generations right
2: mm-hmm. so of course talking about uh, science communication a little bit, you won FameLab. um, And yeah, we know what that is. But for the uninitiated listeners out there, do you mind sort of telling them a little bit what FameLab is now since you've gone through the entire process?
1: Yeah, sure. So FameLab is a science communication competition. I've seen it described as arguably the world's foremost science communication competition. So I'm not sure in, in what Sense, but it's big. <laughs> and basically the goal is to communicate any piece of science in three minutes um, without using any slides and to a general audience. So you're graded on the three C's, they call them content, clarity, and charisma. And yeah, you can pick any science. You don't have to represent your own, your own research. It's it's easier perhaps, but it doesn't have to be the case. And yeah, it's a worldwide competition, and this this year it was across twenty three countries. It's um, FameLab is organized. That's the word. FameLab is organized by the British Council. So, pretty much in any country that they have some connection with, uh, there's there's a FameLab.
2: Yeah,
0: interesting. And is it always online, or was that a Corona thing? Is it normally? Yeah, good question.
1: That was a corona thing. So Mm -hmm. it was just for the last two years that it was online and otherwise it was actually in person at a science festival in Cheltenham in the UK. So each of the national winners would then be sent over to the UK for the international semifinals and finals.
0: Would it still be with a video or would it then be in an in-person presentation?
1: Yeah, then it would be on stage. So it really changed over the last two years. For the um, first 13 years of FameLab then, it was completely on stage in person. You would walk up, give your three minutes in front of a big audience and be graded on the spot. But indeed, the last two years, it was all by video due to due to COVID.
0: Oh, I think that is, it's actually quite a positive thing, though. The videos can be way more spread around over the world and they're, I mean, interesting to watch. <laughs> Yeah, true. I think there were positive and negative parts. Like I
1: it would have been nice to meet all of the other people. It's, it's super cool people who do these kinds of things. I mean, you know you're also in science communication mm-hmm. with this podcast. You meet interesting people. Um so that was a bit sad to only get to know each other over Zoom or WhatsApp. But yeah, definitely having these videos, it's it's a pretty good sort of online resume for yourself as a science communicator, like you said.
0: Yeah.
2: So yeah, now that we've introduced FameLab a little bit, how did you actually get started with FameLab? Did someone recommend it to you? Did, it come, did you come across it by yourself while searching or did it come to you in some sort of a fevered vision? To...
1: It was actually an AMC uh, graduate school course. Hmm. So the uh, same way I found your podcast, I found it through a poster in the elevator at the <laughs> AMC. <laughs> um, Already in my first year, I heard about it, actually, and I already knew I wanted to do it then, but my supervisor was super supportive, but said, maybe wait until you have done more of your own research so you can talk about it more comfortably. So yeah, this year was the year and I and I signed up. But yeah, the AMC organized the the first level of FameLab for me. So there's a a local level, let's say, just with the Institute, then a national level, then international mm. semifinals and finals.
0: Nice. It must have already been really cool to win the AMC one, and then the national one, and then the international one. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I was
1: just in a continual state of shock the whole <laughs> way, pretty much.
0: Was it tough to combine uh, uh, the doing FAME Lab alongside your PhD, of course, and then also a pandemic on top of that? Was that tough?
1: Yes and no. It definitely helped that my group that I'm in, it was super supportive, so if i had a day where i had to be online doing fame lab stuff then somebody else always offered to you know pass my cells for me or something so that was a huge help um and i think having it online there were yeah pros and cons again the pros were that i didn't have to stop my experiments so i was kind of overlaying being in the lab and then being at home for the afternoon recording a video or whatever um the cons were that it was quite an exercise in planning, so I definitely had to be organized over the last few months to to make it work. But yeah, that's kind of the lab life now that we have uh, to deal with room restrictions and COVID and everything, as yeah, as definitely. you know, I guess. So yeah. we have
0: to be flexible.
1: <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. Another exercise in flexibility. That's yes. what it was.
0: <laughs> so those videos that you would record, would they be a one take thing, or did you get? It? Take multiple takes and send in the best one, or how did that work? It
1: actually depended on who was organizing it. So um, actually each level was kind of different for me. So at the Amsterdam UMC, the, the local um, Fame Lab event, that was actually live. So we were in a lecture theater in the summer, and there were like 10 of us in the biggest lecture theater in the buildings, all spaced out. Um, so that one was actually on stage, like FameLab originally was. Then at the national level, we could take as many takes as we wanted and send in a video. And then for the international level, both the semifinal and the fi- and the final, we had to give our pitch sort of live for us on Zoom in front of the judges. So it was one take and that was it.
0: Oh, then you probably had to rethink your video also a lot. Or your presentation in the first case even.
1: Yeah, I I kind of went... I tried to do it in one take all the way through just because that was the spirit of FameLab to Mm -hmm. try to, you know, one and done um, the whole presentation. So I actually think I did my national one in one take as well, just because I wanted to still feel enthusiastic about it. And it's hard to display a lot of enthusiasm if you're recording the pitch for the 200th time, you know? (laughs) So I pretty much, kept uh, yeah i st- i kept the same strategy the whole
0: way through yeah and for yourself it won't be never perfect anyway so mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> exactly yeah i'm i'm okay with small mistakes mm-hmm. so
0: i'm <laughs> learning to be <laughs> makes it feel more natural anyway yeah true yeah
2: so did your family and friends actually understand what what your research was about before you did fame lab or do they understand it a little bit better now that you've sort of explained it in 3 minutes
1: I I hope that they knew before, <laughs> because that's why I started my blog, Microbial mm-hmm. Mondays. That's kind of how I got into science communication online at least. Um, and I started the blog to explain to family and friends what I was doing and, and try to, you know, educate people who haven't studied microbiology or immunology mm-hmm. more about yeah, m- medical primarily microbiology. Um, but probably people who were not that interested in reading my writing know more about what I'm doing now over video. I think video is a really powerful tool. So it was a great introduction into using video.
0: Yes. And uh, how did you actually came up with the idea for your uh, video? You use chess a lot as a, as a comparison. How, how did you come <laughs> up with that idea? <laughs> yeah,
1: for the final uh, submission that I, that I won FabLab with, I came up with it while watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. (laughs) So I'm always looking for analogies to use to explain different scientific concepts for my blog. So it's kind of just become an ingrained habit and I got super caught up in Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I can really easily get addicted to Netflix shows and that was one of them. And I just loved the story about chess and also how it's connected with history, like it's this ancient battlefield between the the white and the black teams. And I somehow it made me think of the immune system because, I mean, our bodies also kind of represent this ancient battlefield between our immune system and the pathogens that infect us. So I, uh, yeah. Queen's Gambit that's the answer.
0: <laughs> I could definitely see the, see the influence there yeah mm. but did you do something different for your first national competition and your live presentation then?
1: Yeah I actually had to so I didn't oh. say that before that that's part of the rules you have to have at least two different pitches so for the national semifinal and final so at the AMC for me and then at the national level those had to be uh, different and then at the uh, international, semifinal, and final. So oh, I did three stories in the end, and then one story was, well, worse the first time, I think, and then I reworked it for yeah.
0: <laughs> for another pitch. Okay, cool. So they're not actually looking like the, the one best video, but they're actually looking like somebody who can do it multiple times and in different ways. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. They say that they don't want somebody who's a one-trick horse was the words <laughs> that they, they used. <laughs> yeah, well...
2: And really? what was your uh, other submission then uh, not Queen's Gambit then but
1: Yeah, so I kind of did one on each main chapter of my thesis so I have my uh, jargon-free summary for the beginning of my eventual PhD <laughs> defense already. <laughs> so the first of the 3 let's say was on um a project that's actually published now and it focuses on using drugs that boost autophagy to Basically, intervene in ongoing HIV infections. So, this decluttering system can basically declutter HIV. Is how I put it in the uh, in the pitch. Um, the second one was a project uh, was about my project on dengue virus, and dengue virus actually hijacks autophagy. So I compared that to um, the alien from the nineteen seventy nine sci fi <laughs> film. So. You know how the alien first grabs onto I don't know if you've seen it, I'm entering spoilers. spoilers (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, spoilers, sorry. Um, But the alien uh, first grabs onto somebody's face and then bursts out of his abdomen later. And that's basically a perfect analogy for how dengue virus infects cells. So it first grabs onto the outside of the cell, then gets funneled into vesicles and bursts out of the vesicles when they acidify, like, like the stomach. So, Yeah. I had good props for that one too. I have little (laughs) alien stuffies that I was using.
0: (laughs) Oh, no! now I want to see that video too. (laughs) Is it also online? (laughs) Can we actually find it also? Because I know that when you look for FameLab, you can find, of course, all the other international videos, but can you find the national ones too? Uh yeah, the national one is also up on YouTube. I would have to double check exactly where,
1: but I have all of mine up on my YouTube channel as well. So it's linked double. Oh, they will definitely find it. <laughs> yeah, cool.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned your uh, the people in your department being quite supportive of you doing FameLab, but uh what did they think when you were when you said to them that you were going to do this? Uh what was their initial first reaction of
1: It was kind of like, Oh yeah, of course you're <laughs> going to do that. I think. <laughs> Most of the people in my department who know me well already knew that I was really into science communication. Um, I always talk about how much I love going to conferences and giving presentations. And I, I like public speaking, which is weird i know apparently it's also the thing that people fear more than death according to some surveys (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) at least in north american surveys it's it's the number one fear of people but i think it's really fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah nobody was surprised and everybody
0: was supportive oh really cool i don't think it's the worst thing either i do like it also nice that's why you have a podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) well it's different you don't have to actually sit in front of people for this (laughs) true. You don't have to look them in the eyes. <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> Maybe no. this
2: is just therapy. We're trying to overcome our fear the entire time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Easing into it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like giving presentations also at congresses and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, now, you use a lot of analogies with your science communication. Do you find it easy to switch between the nitty-gritty details when talking to other scientists and using the analogies to talk to people who are not scientists? Or do you struggle with that sometimes?
1: I think it's gotten easier with practice, but it definitely didn't come naturally. I actually was told at one point during my master that I was using too many analogies and I had to focus more on the nitty gritty during one of my presentations. So I think I've gotten better at it, but yeah, it it took practice for sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think most of us are actually the opposite where we really are able to talk about science all day long. But then when we have actually to talk about my with my mom, for example, about what I'm doing, I don't think she actually understands anything, I say. <laughs> yeah, I think I find the middle ground
1: the hardest. Like I can be super detailed oriented, detail oriented. Like I, I color code everything maniacally and like I have super detailed to-do lists and experimental setups of mm. all of the details always, but kind of zooming out to the middle level where it's interesting but still detailed enough is is the hardest bit for me I think yeah
2: interesting yeah if you have
1: any tips on getting to that middle (laughs) level I'd be happy to hear them
2: (laughs) you haven't had an awkward moment where you're sort of using an analogy with your supervisor and they're like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) no
1: she knows me
0: by now Oh, that's such an important part of like the whole PhD process. You're supervising and you uh, supervising you getting to know each other and learning how to work with with each other. That's um important.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually did a master internship with Carla already. Mm. So we both knew what we were getting into for yeah. the for the PhD. I think that helped a lot.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That's the best yeah. way to get to know each other. Yeah. Especially when you highly recommend. Especially when you are in the beginning in such a small group with just her and you basically. That um is intense. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I, I definitely gained a lot from it though as well like mm. my yeah by my second year we had finished a project because yeah all of our focus was on me so it, it definitely had you know some cons but also a
0: lot of pros oh it's very nice
2: we already kind of touched on this a little bit but what were like the different levels of fame like of course so you had very different uh rounds that you had to change quite a bit and you use different stories Uh, anything else that might have been different uh, along the way
0: were were the juries always looking for the same thing or were they also very different
1: um yeah it was pretty consistent along the way the juries were always grading on content clarity and charisma but yeah it was different juries for every single event so that definitely tweaked it a bit and yeah, actually, that changed my approach a little bit as well. I always looked who the juries would be and kind of tried to guess what um, questions they might have afterwards, because as well as giving your three-minute pitch, there is also a short question period afterwards where the jury would ask you for clarification or follow-up questions, and officially, you're not supposed to be graded on that, but you know, it, it makes an impression how you're able mm-hmm. to handle it, so of course, I wanted to be prepared for that, too, so... Yeah, that that changed my approach a little bit. Was trying to think of what questions the jury might ask and maybe drop in a few little uh, extra notes into my pitch that I'd prepared to appeal to the jury. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> very it, was, smart.
1: it was strategized. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools.
2: Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of.
0: Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list.
2: And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot. And it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at the struggling slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code science 20 for a 20 percent discount.
0: And what was going through your mind right before they announced you as the winner? Uh,
1: I think my mind was completely blank, or maybe with like a touch of, oh, this other person will for sure win or this other person. I I really didn't think that I would win. I thought I had totally messed up my pitch. Actually, we recorded out a week ahead of time before the announcement. And I went into the AMC after, and was working with one of my colleagues. And I was so grumpy. I was like, I messed it up. I had one chance, and I ruined it. Like, oh, no. it's over. <laughs> but yeah, and it was a good won- lesson. In, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a good lesson in being maybe a little less hard on myself. I think. <laughs> so you already said that you liked the other ones also a lot, right? Because you thought they would might win. Which one did you did you actually thought? might win or which one did you like the most
1: no any other question um, <laughs> you like them all yeah i i really liked them all i mean i think the judges had a really tough time because i mean the goal is content clarity and charisma and i think all of them had it i think in the end probably it came down to kind of personal preference because yeah everybody was really impressive like all of the comp Competitors, yeah, all of the competitors really gave it their all, and I learned something from every single pitch. So, hmm. so I don't want to pick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
2: Now, looking back at FameLab, is there something you regret or would have done differently?
1: Actually, no. Maybe be a little bit less hard on myself <laughs> that last week. But uh, I mean, I think it was a super fun experience. I'm, I'm glad I did it, and I. I learned from the mistakes that I made along the way
0: so I wouldn't change it. Oh, that's really nice that you can look back on it in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what was your biggest takeaway from uh, doing FameLab? I think my biggest takeaway was probably the power of
1: video, I guess, and or, you know, presenting in person. That's not something that I had done before really for science communication. I focused on writing. I had done some like tutoring or one-on-one coaching or teaching for different biology or chemistry subjects earlier in my um, in my master and my bachelor. But yeah, it was quite fun to add this visual component to what I was doing. And I'm trying to, to work on that skill now <laughs> and continue it with the YouTube channel. So we'll see
0: how it goes. Yes, we also saw that indeed. It? it looks already for quite nice.
1: Thanks. Adobe Premiere Pro is killing me, but I'm doing my best.
0: <laughs> I oh, guess yes. you
1: know the pains of editing very well. So,
0: Oh yeah, and I can only imagine that video is 10 times worse. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I The amount of times that my computer... Crashed trying to get stuff to export. Like it's <laughs> a, yeah, it's a it's a learning experience again. It's but it's fun overall. It's it's fun to learn something new.
0: Yeah, yes, definitely. because you're also of course still writing your blogs. Um, yes, yes. Do you like that more, or do you think you like it both as much now?
1: The blogs come more naturally to me. I've yeah, I've always been into writing, um, mm-hmm. so it's easier to write the blogs but it is a good challenge to make the videos. I'm, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm a bit awkward on the camera if it's not something that I've rehearsed 10,000 times like for FameLab. So it's, it feels a little bit awkward, but, but it is fun to try something completely new and try to build up a new skill. So I like them both, but one is easier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, what opportunities have you gotten through your participation in FameLab?
1: Uh, several, I mean, I think the network is the, the biggest benefit. Um, so I've already had people reach out and ask if I'm interested, like kind of, I'm a bit awkward about this. (laughs) 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 I've already had people reach out and ask if I want to stay in science communication and kind of offer potential ways to get into it. So, um, being encouraged to apply for specific jobs and one job offer which is pretty cool but i do have a year left at my phd still so i hope that that continues a year from now um and actually my prize from fame lab um was some new technology that helped me set up my YouTube channel, So, so oh. including the headphones I'm using now. So that was pretty nice. So, nice. So that's a big benefit. They, uh, the prize was some money towards something to help you continue in science communication. So yeah, that was pretty cool to, to be able to kickstart a YouTube channel. Um, oh. And I got some new subscribers to my blog as well off of uh, Fame FameLab. So it's, yeah, lots of
0: different good things. You could really see the increase.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still small. My blog isn't like a front page news sort of thing, but yeah, but I can see the increase after FameLab, a few new people and also people that I didn't know personally signed up. For the most part, it's been kind of friends or friends of friends who I kind of know, but I had more
0: um, people that I was not otherwise connected with sign up. Well, that's nice. I always feel like when it's somebody you don't know then you're like, why Why do they want to listen to me? Or like, why, why do they like <laughs> yeah. it so much? <laughs> Someone not
2: obligated to listen to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, I don't know why, but I'm so honored. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's also really funny with the podcast, for example, we can also see where people come from and like where they're located. And then all of a sudden we had 30 listens from Scotland. And we're like, who are these people from Scotland? All these
2: bots. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: i can see that too on the blog sometimes i'll have like somebody from i don't know sweden i'll be like what somebody from sweden looked at my blog so yeah it's a cool feeling
0: (laughs) it's it's the most fun yeah
2: so what would be your biggest tip for anyone looking to do do fame lab in the future assuming it continues happening of course
1: So that is a big question, whether it continues happening. Um, So FameLab was funded by the British Council um, and put on together with Cheltenham festivals. But the funding has dried up this year. So there were 15 years of funding and this was the last year. So I read. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. I read on the website of Cheltenham Festivals that they say they're looking forward to continuing the legacy of FameLab. So I don't know what exactly that means, but I hope that it means it will continue in, in some form.
0: So I'm not really sure. Especially in the online form, it should be possible, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I would say so. Yeah. Cheltenham Festivals, if they're
0: listening. Uh... <laughs> Definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like it. Okay. Well, um. Let's move to some more general questions, a bit less about FameLab. So you have already mentioned that scientific communication is something you basically always wanted to do from the very first year of your PhD already. But why, why does it appeal to you so much? Why is, it so, why is it so important to you? I just love science a lot, basically. And I like to talk about it. <laughs> I've,
1: yeah, I've always been kind of a nerdy kid. Like When I was around five or so, my favorite book was the Encyclopedia of Reptiles. Else. So it's it's in my blood, I guess. I just <laughs> like to talk about science, and it's a lot of fun to to share it with people. And I also think it's important. I mean, everybody has seen that it's important to understand something about viruses the last two years, mm-hmm. for example. So,
0: yeah, you do. You did pick a good time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I picked a very good time. Yeah, <laughs> suspicious, no,
0: yeah. <laughs> no. Um, And how do you feel about the amount of science communicating that is (laughs) happening right now? Is it getting better? Because it hasn't been that much in the past? I mean, I hope mine is getting better. (laughs) No, Um, definitely, but more in general, I think (laughs) most scientists aren't very busy with communicating their science.
1: Yeah, because they're so busy with so many other things, right? yeah i I mean it's a tough question because there I do hear more and more about scientists who have kind of stopped being active scientists and moved into the role of science communicator. Mm. Um, but I hear about it more and more probably because I'm also in that world, so I'm not sure if it's if it's me or if it's the world that's changing. I think it's I mean it's a tough job because you have to choose between allocating your time to doing research which most of us like and Mm -hmm. talking about research which is also a really fun thing to do but it's a tough choice um I think I've seen more science communication and that there are more articles in the news for example about COVID of course yeah Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. is it getting better I'm not I'm not sure (laughs) more doesn't always equal better um yeah that's a tough one I'm not really sure what I think about that yet
0: yeah no i I feel like when you start doing something like this, the communicate uh, community is really supporting, though. I feel like everybody's so excited and so happy, and so so that's at least a, a really good uh, thing. yeah for sure
1: yeah it's a super it's been a super good experience what do you two think do you think it's getting better you're also in science communication
0: yeah but i think we are a bit different because we specifically don't communicate about our about our own science we specifically (laughs) communicate about other people's science (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah that's true but yeah okay
2: We we go with the inspirations like mm, an article about butt breathing yes,
1: <laughs> or but that's also science communication like you break it down in a way that's understandable and I mean then you can yeah. you can listen to an interpretation of the paper or, yes. or like the the episode that you did on. Um fasting mm-hmm. that was super interesting and i would never have dove into those articles on my own so i would say that's pretty effective science communication
0: neither would we have if we didn't make the podcast that's what makes so much fun <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's also what i use my blog for yes. <laughs> otherwise i would not read this but i will force myself to <laughs> yes.
0: for the good of the world <laughs> for the good of the world yes and also in our free time which true you know
1: yeah, <laughs> otherwise you just don't have the energy to do no. it. You need a deadline every week mm-hmm. or two. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Um, now, of course, you have mentioned your blog, Microbial Mondays, and you have been doing this for a while. Um, what What are you trying to achieve with the blog?
1: That's changed a bit over the years. So at first I was trying to achieve that my friends and family would know what I was studying. <laughs> <laughs> now I think most of them know, so yeah, it's kind of changed into trying to get people enthusiastic about science and more specifically microbiology, because I'm really enthusiastic about it. And I think it's really cool. And I'd like to share that. Yeah, And I think it's also something that touches a lot of areas of our lives. Like microbes are everywhere. And there are ones that infect us. There are ones that we drink as beer, ones that we eat as bread, you know, they're everywhere. So I think the human experience
0: of microbiology is also really interesting. Yes. I think it's also really something really close to us, indeed. Yeah.
2: Now, your blog looks absolutely beautiful and all of them are very interesting. Do you have a favorite one so far?
1: I think my favorite one is one called The Host and the Hijacker. Um, just because I had a lot of fun writing it, it's kind of what gave me the part of the inspiration for my FameLab pitch, the one with the chess mm. board that I used in the, in the final. Um, it's not one of my most read ones, but I just really like the way that it reads. So
0: Nice. How much time do you yeah. usually spend on writing a blog?
1: It completely depends on the subject. If it's something that I already know a lot about, um, like for example, I've written some on what are cell lines and how do those work? Why do we use them in a lab? then I can basically write it right away from my own knowledge. And I just double check a few things and mm-hmm. papers if I'm going into more detail and it can take like an hour. Some of them, like the last one I wrote on soil microbiology, that took way longer because I knew nothing about <laughs> it going into it. And then I can easily spend like a whole weekend on, a, on one blog post. So really depends on the subject.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. What kind of topics can readers expect from your next blog? feel free to promote it.
2: Spoilers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, no spoilers. I have no idea. I'm totally
1: <laughs> unprepared. <laughs> but I do love to get questions from readers. So if anybody has any questions that they want answered, I'm very happy to answer them.
0: And how can I reach you?
1: Yeah. So I have a um, a contact page on my blog, microbialmondays.com. So you can, yeah, you can contact me there. It'll send an email to me. One of my friends recently tested this. He pranked me and made a fake uh, Gmail account and asked me a question as a stranger <laughs> over his fake <laughs> Gmail account to see if I would really respond. And he said he was surprised about the the length and effort that I put into my response. So it's
0: true. I will
1: I will answer.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> And um, why did you decide to go with the blog and not, not for example, a podcast? Great question. I actually
1: originally planned on doing a podcast. Really? And yeah, (laughs) and it was so hard to edit. (laughs) I was so awkward talking. I actually originally planned to start Microbial Mondays with one of my friends from my bachelor as a podcast, but then... Both of us were moving out of Canada, um, me to the Netherlands, him to Germany. And it was just, yeah, too complicated mm. from two or three different countries. And yeah, and the editing was just so hard <laughs> um, and it didn't happen. So I ended up picking it up again as a blog, which was easier for me and my master. And now I am relearning the horrors of editing in video (laughs) form so it's all come full circle
0: (laughs) yeah the editing is definitely a thing people underestimate also a lot I think
1: I totally underestimated it I'm really impressed that you guys are able (laughs) to do this
0: (laughs) yeah I am the editor and Janon is the social media guy and I'm so thankful we can split it up because otherwise it would be not happening
1: (laughs) yeah it's a lot of work for sure Mm. yes
0: um so uh you are now starting your youtube channel and trying to get that set up is that your next big thing in science communication for you
1: that is my next big thing in science communication <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and then no more things for a little while i think <laughs> um yeah so i i just started a youtube channel it's alex goes viral um and the URL makes it really hard to find right now because you can only edit it after you get to 100 subscribers. So if anybody wants to subscribe, <laughs> you can find it through <laughs> okay. my blog and then eventually I can edit the URL. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to put it together and try to use that visual element. And yeah, I'm slowly increasing the quality of the videos, <laughs> I think, with new equipment and practice. Mm-hmm.
0: But- the technical stuff is also... So- always such a big thing right it's there's always improvement to be made
1: (laughs) yeah it's something i was wildly unprepared for but i'm learning by experience yeah
0: (laughs) well you start out with what you have and then you get better yeah exactly (laughs) you have to start somewhere yes
2: looking forward to those youtube uh what are they called, like those stars that you get, like for reaching a certain amount of subscribers.
1: (laughs) One day.
0: (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah. So what would be your biggest tip or advice for anyone looking, looking to get started with science communication?
1: I would say, well, first you have to start somewhere. So don't be afraid to make mistakes and yeah, don't be afraid to start. I was pretty nervous and sometimes embarrassed about my writing being put out on the internet because you know doing it alongside a PhD especially you're you're not going to be able to spend as much time on it as you might want to because of all of your other responsibilities so sometimes there are typos in my work and at first I was like this is the end of the world <laughs> how can I leave a typo in there but it's ah uh, it's better to get it out than to not get it out at all so just do it as Nike said, um, mm-hmm. and secondly, I guess the tip that's most stuck in my mind lately is from Alan Alda. He's a really amazing science communicator, also an actor, and he says, the most important thing in science communication is to have empathy for your audience and really try to put yourself in their shoes and think about what would they most be interested in, and how would information make sense to them so kind of bring yourself out of yourself when you're trying to communicate science. And I thought that was a really nice tip.
0: Oh, that is a really Um, nice tip. Yeah. he has a book
1: it's very good
0: if you if okay. want to know more okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. is it
2: also an audiobook form i've been listening <laughs> to a lot of those lately
1: i'm pretty sure it is and i think he reads it and he has a really nice voice too he also oh. has a podcast it's oh, called okay. clear and vivid so oh
0: sounds there's interesting. a
1: podcast tip yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes definitely Um, Now we of course really want to um, promote science communication and help everybody who wants to get into it also so you can always reach out to us if you have questions but it might also be really interesting to know that if you want to get your feet wet in the world of blogging but you're not ready yet to set up your own website um, please know that we also publish blogs from invited scientists on our website strugglingscientist.com so you can always contact us if you have an interesting subject that you want to write about Um, but also of course if you have an interesting blog that we need to know about well thanks again alex for doing this uh it was really nice to meet a fellow science communicator uh, and it was a pleasure to talk to you and talk about your recent win fame lab and um science communication in general of course uh share again please where people can follow your amazing content on instagram twitter
1: and youtube i'm at alex goes Viral, and then you can find my blog at www.microbialmondays.com
0: okay great Thank you very much. And you can find us, of course, uh, on basically all social media as The Struggling Scientist and on our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we hope that you really like uh, the episode. Bye. Bye.